0: This man is amazing, Brad Gray. Oh, boy. You can play the piano and play the drums at the same time. It's
1: impressive. I do that with my head. How do you do that?
0: (laughs) Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. We're glad you're with us. We've been having a great morning. Mm. And uh, before we get into our next guest, Michael Jennings, who's going to talk about entering the church Mm -hmm. at Pentecost, Uh, I think we have a few minutes here that uh, we just want to take and uh, talk a little bit about hope, right? So... Mm. This is something that we didn't get into in our first segment that we we're going to talk about, but I think it's an important thing because, you know, we can look around us at, at everything happening, you know, whether it's COVID or, you know, the riots or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. And uh, it can seem like just in the media portrayal that there is no hope, right? Yeah. Things are just slowly collapsing and there there is no return, mm.
1: But that's not the case. Right. Sometimes it seems like they're quickly co- collapsing. So yeah. that can seem all the more urgent and uh, and it can seem stressful. And, and so I think part of the problem that we encounter or that we um, often are confronted with is this idea, like, I need to take care of this. I need to do something. I need to, somehow I need to figure this out. Right. And, and we can have unconsciously, we can have this notion that things are hopeless because it's all on me and I don't have the solution. Right, I mean, who of us looks at the world today and says, "Oh, I can plot out exactly what needs to be done, and and that'll take care of everything"? Pandemic, riots, all of it—you know—the the the racial divides and and you know all of the hurt that that our world is experiencing right now, and you can feel this sense of hopelessness, especially as it seems like things can become more dire. Um, You know, there's often the the tendency toward government overreach and and. You know, it's just like, gosh, you know, what? Where are things going? What's going to happen? Um, and and the fact of the matter is, as Christians, we're really not allowed to wallow in that. We're not because what that assumes is that we're alone, and that you know everything is on us to solve it, and that God has somehow stepped back. Um, but the fact of the matter is, we are constantly called to hope, to peace. We're invited into mercy as we prayed for. Um, at the Divine Mercy Chaplet, it's it's the reality of our faith. This isn't just kind of you know psychological make me feel good type of stuff. It's not kind of concoct something to pretend like the problems aren't there. Uh, it's not pulling the sheets over your head so that the monsters don't get you. It's simply seeing reality as it really is. is the reality as it really is is that the Lord God is intimately involved in everything. In our lives individually, in our lives um, so- socially, uh, across the world, He's guiding all things. You know, Isaiah says that My word goes forth and it does not return to Me void until it has accomplished the end for which I sent it. And so, the, as Christians, we are we're mandated to live in hope, right? I know that's uh, Dr. Scott Hahn's new book is uh, Hope to Die, and it's it's all kind of focused on this reality that that we have an essential. Um, call expectation that we live in hope, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a it's a really interesting uh, reflection, you know, because again, I, I think there's so many that want to spread fear, mm-hmm. and they want us to live in fear. But but when we live in hope, right, something happens, something yeah. changes. Yeah, and we can live in that peace that comes with the hope, and. You know, uh, there's injustices in the world. Yes, mm-hmm. we know that. We we know that the, our world isn't perfect because guess what? We're fallen.
1: And, and we're not okay with that. We don't right. sit back and just say, well, that's just the way things are. You do what you can to respond to that, but you don't do that as as one without hope. That's right. the difference, right? Yeah. We and,
0: and recognizing that the Lord, even with everything going on around us, the Lord is not
1: turning his back on us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He's our ever-present God. You know, here with us now. He's always... He's always nearby. And that honestly it changes everything. If I know that I'm not alone, that, that the Lord God is I mean, this is this is the, the courage that we see in the lives of the martyrs, right? That they go into hopeless situations, apparently, you know, from an outside perspective, and they boldly proclaim the gospel and and they radically transform human history. The the, the people who have improved the world in substantial ways are ones who live in hope. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they're certainly, you know, led by the Holy Spirit, right? And yeah. and, and, you know, we, we have to recognize that that we're not called to prepare our own defense. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide us. We just need to remain in that hope and remain in that
1: peace. Right. And to have a certain flexibility and fluidity to his working that it may not be according to our plans. And that kind of Goes into our next guest. We have Michael Jennings on the line, uh, who was coming into the church, who was preparing throughout this this last year to come into the church at the Easter Vigil, and that's not the way things played out. Good morning <laughs> to you, Michael. <laughs> We're happy to have you on board, Michael. Good morning to you.
2: Good morning. Thank you.
1: Thanks for being on with us this morning. Um, Thanks for having me. So, Michael, um, tell us a little bit about yourself as we get started this morning.
2: Um, I'm a Husband, a father, small business owner. Moved here from uh, California, so maybe not necessarily uh, the smartest individual, but uh, North Dakota is a little cold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you've been through the winter, I-, I take it then, huh?
2: Quite a few years. Okay. Usually winters. Getting used to it now.
1: Okay, yep. Yeah. You, you learn to tolerate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, you do. You
1: live, just, and it <laughs> live in hope. Live at home for summer. Yeah.
0: So, Michael, let's talk a little bit about your journey to the Catholic Church. You know, uh, obviously, you you weren't always Catholic. Uh, What was it that just sort of started opening up your heart to this possibility?
2: Well, uh, well, I wasn't raised in the Catholic Church, for sure. I was raised in um, a non-denominational church. And so, you know, I had preconceptions coming into this. Um, In fact, it was my daughter... Actually being, um, we needed to move our schools mid-year last year. And one of the options that came available to us was St. Joe's. And Mm -hmm. we weren't sure about it, you know, putting a daughter in a Catholic school, not being Catholic. You know, it it was concerning in in certain ways. We just didn't know anything, to be honest with you. And what we did know was actually not true.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So our first experience with the Catholic Church, truly actually an experience not Anecdotal information, or someone saying, "I went to the church when I was younger, and I left for these reasons," um, was was actually the principal, Andrew Hilliker, and he himself was was someone who, who shared his that he had converted to Catholicism as well. Hmm. And you know, it was just kind of that was the the start. You know, we, we aired our concerns about sending our daughter there, um, and she had been through a pretty rough time. So moving her to St. Joseph's was was really kind of a sorrowful time for us. You know, you don't make, move your child your Seventh grade child, mid year, without reason, right. and so it was. It was a kind of a tough entry point, but you know, it was at that time that I said, I, my wife and I sat down and said, "Well, we need to start going to Catholic church if we're going to send our daughter here. We need to, we need to understand what this is, not just um, not just send her here." Mm-hmm. And so, at that point, we started going to mass on Sunday, and we had reached out to um, Saint Joseph's church or parish, and uh, we are put in touch with Kathy Borland, and she started actually meeting with us one-on-one, not as part of RCA, because it was in January, so sure, they were always well into um, the baptismal or confirmation process for, for most of the RCA members. Mm, sure. So that was kind of our first introduction, and then just to the process, I mean, you know, Father Nate, you know, that, <laughs> that man has a smile on his face, and you can just feel the love coming off of mm. And just in our conversations with um Father Larry, you know, there's a calmness there that you know, he's not trying to coming from the church I was, there was always this 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 goal to win you over through, you know, kind of like a, a marketing message. But it was it just you just felt this calmness. It's like, know that's what we believe and this is why. And it was it was not it was out of love, there was kindness, it was it was true kindness, not niceness. Um mm-hmm. it was something that we were looking for. And uh you know, that was kind of a, uh, an opening process. And so we started in January going to St. Joseph's and, uh, we've met some amazing people like John and Joyce and, um, who are our sponsors. And then Kate, who is hand sponsor. And just the amount of people that are in our lives that all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you're Catholic. I did, you know, mm-hmm. I always knew there was something maybe different about you, but that's interesting. And it's like, I, I, have my business partner's Catholic and, and, you know, he serves in a uh, Catholic church down in Nebraska. We started talking and started pointing me in directions to go do research. So Thomas Aquinas, you know, some of those more, the doctors of the church mm-hmm. where you start reading their, the intellectual side of things. And it's, it's, it's not just impressive as far as the amount of information out there that sits your fingertips, but it's, it's, it's available to everybody. You know, it's, it's, online, it's accessible, it's if you had a question and you weren't sure about it, you could go read about it. And there's quite a there's quite a bit of evidence to what's being brought forward in the Catholic Church. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to be dispelled too because coming not of a Cat not being Catholic. I mean there you know there's a lot of people that have misconceptions that leave the Catholic Church and they bring those into You know, why did you leave the Catholic Church? Oh, they worship Mary, or they, you know, they don't believe in the Bible, or they're not, you know, all those, those, they're cliches. But when you really break it down, that's not what I've ever heard any of the the fathers or any of the the ministers ever say.
0: Right. And
2: so it's, it's, it's definitely heartwarming. You know, when you, when you come into the church, there's a, the process of coming in is, quite educational. It, it's eye-opening. Let's just put it that
0: way. Right. Michael, I have two uh, questions for you quick, uh, just based on what you said. And then I know Brad is, is, uh, mm, <laughs> has right. got some questions. <laughs> uh, the first two, first, uh, these two questions. The first, you started going to Mass, right? And, and what was your experience when you started going to Mass in January? And then you had mentioned that there was something different about Joyce and John and the other people, but you couldn't quite put your finger about on it. Uh, maybe just describe a little bit about... What was what was different about them?
2: Um, so, so on the mass question, um, to be honest with you, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for it. To be mm-hmm. honest, it's it's a it's a different experience. Um, I, I've never gone to a church with kneelers. Mm-hmm. I've never been a part of a church where there's um, there's kind of like a a flow to the mass and not understand. You know, when I came into when I was raised as a in the Church, it was, we do communion as a recognition of Christ's sacrifice, and we do it just kind of as a um, remembrance, Mm -hmm. is the best way to decide, or to describe it. And, I mean, there's a reverence for it in the Church, but in the Catholic Church, there's actually a deference, where it's this humble, Mm -hmm. just, uh, anticipation of of that. And, uh, And I know that's how I am interpreting what I was seeing and what I feel now and the real presence and understanding that is, is kind of hard for, you know, that, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to actually just sit and pray about and dwell on because there's a lot of scripture that points to it. But you have to break over that, that, um, I don't know if it's a roadblock, but it's something in your life which says, you know, that's not real, so don't do that. You know, and then when you start really looking at what Christ was saying and what he was talking about it's like he didn't sacrifice himself on the cross for for some cliche mm. or for some you know some some quasi-representation of what he did he he did it and he said he was going to do it and he told his disciples and he told the people what it was going to mean and if I can't take that seriously then I can't take Christ seriously and that I think that that was something for me that was hard to, you know, in the beginning, it was super hard to come to terms with. Mm. And so the Mass is actually quite intimidating, especially never being Catholic, going to a Catholic church before and actually sitting through Mass is quite intimidating. There's a lot of, a, a lot of prayers, but when you actually listen to what you're saying, it's like, yeah, I, I believe that. You know, that is, that's what I believe, and if I believe that, then why am I not a part of the Church? and understanding what it
1: is. Beautiful. That mm-hmm. is, that's awesome, Michael. I can just hear your faith, the depth of your faith shining through. We are listening, if you're just tuning in right now, we're speaking with Michael Jennings. Uh, Michael just came into the church here at, at Pentecost, and uh, he's sharing his story of his journey into into the Catholic Church and, and you know, kind of what was moving him. Uh, you've w- One of my questions was going to be for you, Michael, you know, what was it that grabbed you? And I'm, I'm hearing um, there's just there's a there's a richness it sounds like you were moved by the liturgy. it sounds like you' were moved by the truth uh i mean the, the the fullness the broadness the breadth of the truth that the church uh professes um are there any particular other aspects that just grabbed your heart and said i i got be a part of this
2: um there's quite a few i had um um i I do have to say that uh, john and joyce when when I got to know John, and I talked to him. You know, he's just, he's one of those people that you meet, and you just, he's a kind soul. And mm. and I know not all Catholics are kind souls, but he is a kind soul. And and for him to reach out to me in the way he did, it was, um, I appreciate it. Mm. There's a, it, it's, it was a sense of, okay, you know, he, he understands what I'm, maybe not what I'm going through, but he understands that I'm going through a process that, that honestly is, is complicated. And I asked him some pretty tough questions, you know, Hmm. I do not shy away from the tough questions. And that was something that he was willing to engage with me on and not just, you know, not just shy away from and say, that's too hard of a question to talk about. So when we had some pretty, you know, pretty in-depth conversations, you know, whether it was, you know, when we were doing some service things together or or just talking over coffee. It was, it, you know, COVID kind of kind of cramped the style on some of that. I was uh, looking forward to more of it before Pentecost, but uh, we're hoping to get back to coffees here soon. Yeah, but, you know, he's he's just one of those guys that you know, just the conversations I've enjoyed with him. Um, but it's it, as far as like just other things about it. I had when we came into started going to Catholic to, to the mass. Um, I dropped my daughter off. Early, and I was getting there early enough that I would go into the church just to just to pray because I was I was going I was really struggling with some stuff as well about the whole moving my daughter out of the school she'd been going to her entire you know childhood and doing it for reasons that were tough. So I was praying about some stuff, and I was really had some anger to process. Mm -hmm. And they were doing the morning prayers and the shorter prayer book, and they were just every morning there was a group of people that were doing the prayers. And um, one of the fathers there was just this older gentleman who was just super sweet. And um, he, he would just always out for a kind word every morning. Uh, he, he recently passed away, but he was just one of those men that, you know, it's like just a hello, just a, um, a conversation. And there were some other members there that were just, that brought me into mm-hmm. these morning prayers. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that it was like, it was a way to start off my day. That was a true blessing and it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to commit to that time. And and in fact, I wasn't able to the second half of the year because of work, but in that first half, it really did touch my heart. It was something that, you know, made me, Oh, I'm going to go out and buy that shorter prayer book. Even if I don't become Catholic, I'm going to do that prayer because it's just, it's, it's an amazing way to start off your day with scriptures and just, it's it. It's, it puts God on your heart for the day.
1: Love it, Michael. That is that is fantastic. We only have a couple minutes left, and I'm loving everything you're sharing. It's it's powerful and moving. Uh, you've had every journey into the church is is unique, but this year was especially unique with COVID with with things being shuffled around. And you know, originally you'd be received into the, the church at the Easter Vigil, but uh, instead it wound up being on Pentecost. We only have you know a little like a a minute and a half left, but I want to hear what that was like for you, having having that kind of waiting period, and then ultimately uh, being received in this past uh, Sunday on Pentecost.
2: Uh, There was a bit of disappointment, Um, but to be honest with you, I don't, I didn't know what I was missing yet. Mm. I mean, maybe next year it may be more impactful than I miss Easter Vigil. I honestly haven't been to one yet. So, I mean, I know what it is. I understand the the, the significant of it, but I haven't been to one. Yeah. And, that, and I'm disappointed. That, that's a disappointment. And as much as I would have loved to have been received at that time, you know, being received on Pentecost, and it was a real small gathering. I mean, there was just pretty much the RCIA members and the confirmations and the, yeah. a small group of people and our sponsors, and you know, it was, it was quite intimate. And then the message about the Holy Spirit on that day and the coming of the Holy Spirit and how Father Larry shared that, it was it was it was good. It was it was a very good way to come into the church,
0: Michael. Uh, I apologize, we're out of time this morning, but thanks so much for being on with us and, yeah. and sharing a little about your Beautiful. your experience, your journey to the church. Uh, you know, very inspirational and uh, and God bless you. Thank you for asking the tough questions. You know, a lot of people aren't aren't willing to ask the tough no. questions, or they, so, they're not
1: concerned, or they're not interested, and so
0: that's awesome. Exactly. So, thanks so much, Michael. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Up next, it's a topic that's close to the heart of my co-host, Brad Mm -hmm. Gray, and it's also close to the heart of a chaplain because he has a special love for cooking, Father Damien Schill. He is uh, Chief of Chaplain Service for the Minneapolis Veterans Administration Healthcare System, but he also is an author, a cookbook author, and we'll visit with him on the other side of the break. Sounds like he's also the chef of chaplain services. (laughs) Stay with us.